On today's first round KO, I have my good buddy Chad on with, again, joining me. And we talk a little bit about the NFL draft. I get Chad's thoughts on that. We get Chad's thoughts on the NBA playoffs. We talk about that while we're watching the Bucks score. Um, and then, towards the end of the show, we do talk about Avengers Endgame. So, if you have not seen Avengers Endgame, please click away. Do not listen to it. Come back after you've seen the movie because we talk about it in depth. So, right now... And I say it before we start talking about it, too, so you can listen before. But major spoiler warning before this show. I say it before we start talking about it. Don't worry. I give you plenty of time to click away. But we do talk about Avengers Endgame uh, for the majority of the second half of this show. So, yeah. Enjoy. One day to call my mama to remind her we ain't broke. I'm on the move with it. They all watching like what he do with it. It's a night I'm on the move. Welcome to the most bust here WSUW Sports Podcast in history. Welcome to First Round KO. I am your host, KO, a.k.a. Howard J. Dingers, and I am joined today by my special guest and very good friend, Chad Coffin. How's it going, Kyle? It's going great. How are you doing? Oh, doing so well. It's been a minute. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. I'm always always glad to be, be a friend of the show. Absolutely. So, first things first, we'll get your thoughts on the NFL draft from, was it last, it was last week? It was last week, right? My time is so off. Yes. I think so, because Endgame was last week, I think. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. 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 That was the only thing that I hated about the time that it came out, is that I, I always love watching the NFL draft. And I didn't, the, like the first round, but I couldn't this year, because obviously Endgame came first. <laughs> we got Infinity War fell the same last year, too. Huh? Infinity War fell that time last year, too. I know, I know. I think, uh, you know what? I think the same thing might have happened. I don't remember if I went on Thursday last year or not. But but anyway, so let's talk about, we can talk about the first round picks quick. Uh, any big flops? Any? We, we kind of talked about it on the show on Monday about Giants completely screwing up. Uh, the Redskins picking up the pieces of the Giants. And the Cardinals getting their quarterback of the future. So what did you like out of the first round? Um, I know that it's, I think it's a big breaker, like make or break. It's a big, you know, make it or bust with, uh, who's that young kid who just went to the Cardinals? Why am I blanking? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Yeah. He's a young kid. He's, he's real talented. He's got like the, the, the tangibles, but with having like a new coach and a new quarterback in the same year, it's a recipe to, to write it in the history books or it's a recipe for destruction. So one way or the other, it'll be something to watch this, this year. And he's come out and said that he's not even sure at this point if, if, if he'll start, uh, but um, he's waiting to see exactly what they have in other quarterbacks and what they can really root around. They don't want to force him in there. They don't want to force Kyler in there, um, which, which is good. Cause we've seen in the past quarterbacks get forced into situations um, you know, i.e. Josh Rosen, who clearly wasn't ready, um, but whatever. But getting forced into these roles, um, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, like, Giants fans already cry all the time about everything anyways, but 
then you go and look at them. This is a legitimate reason to be extremely... I mean, if the Odell Beckham trade wasn't enough to just make you throw your hands up in confusion, <laughs> this was absolutely something like... They're, they're actively driving this team into the ground, and the fans just have to watch. There's nothing that they can do. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's a mistake that they didn't get Rosen last year. I think... It's a mistake that they didn't get him this year in the trade. It, it was a mistake that they didn't draft Haskins or anyone else in that, what, sixth spot. I mean, Salenford, like, come on. That, that was just bad. And then Haskins is still on the board at 17, and you don't take him. The, and Montez Sweat, you could have took him. It, but they And then those two guys both end up falling to your divisional rival. It's, I just thought it was complete disaster. The only good thing that's going to happen in New York in the next couple of years is that Saquon Barkley is going to keep being Saquon Barkley, and he's going to get paid. And that guy is going to be one of those guys. I, I see it now. The team falls apart around him. They're going to give him all the money, and he's going to go, okay, I'll run the ball. You yeah. Know? He seems like one of those guys who's just going to stay the course, be a giant forever, and even if it doesn't lead to, to the fruit, it is what it is. But otherwise, I mean, I liked seeing um, – uh, this is a tr- kind of a transition or a segue. I think the the both teams uh, benefited both teams really well mm-hmm. with them moving around. The Packers were able to reach up and get their guy that they wanted, and I think that uh, Seattle was really able to add the pieces that they needed and then really bolster their offense. Um, it's been well known for the longest time that like even though Doug Baldwin claims to be a number one or like a perennial wide receiver, he's really not. He's undersized. He's not really elite. And we add a couple of guys in here who apparently were good enough or muscular enough in DK Metcalf that he decides that he might retire. Like he's like, Doug Baldwin's like, nice to meet you, DK. I'm the number one wide receiver. anymore. Breaks his hand in the handshake. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was nice to see some added, you know, some additional weapons, some added, uh, some young running backs. I don't know if we really needed to draft any running backs. As long as you can keep running with running back committee with the three guys you had, the Seahawks have the number one rush offense uh, with the combined three guys. If they're happy sharing, why not keep it that way? I, I completely agree with that point because at one at, at the early stages of my mock draft, I had them taking Josh Jones in that first round or Josh Jacobs, sorry, and. And then I was I was talking to my buddies and they're like the Seahawks aren't they they took uh, Carson right first year on last year wasn't it yeah it's like they're not going to do that two years in a row they just had a very successful running year it's like yeah, that that's a very good point and then they go and they draft a running back Carson Penny mm-hmm. um, uh, there's that other older guy and then even G D uh, J D McKissick is still mm-hmm. on that team mm-hmm. he runs a lot of three down uh, passing downs but like there's a lot of running backs on that team. I was really glad to see them go D-end with their first pick and then strong safety right away. No, he's not going to fill the void that of Earl Thomas right away, but you get a young guy in there, a young, talented guy who can you know smack around guys, and this guy's got the muscle. Um, so hopefully you know, you're filling a void with not necessarily the same thing, but you're, you're filling it to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how DJ Metcalf – or DK Metcalf uh, does in the NFL. I I've heard a lot about his route running and how that definitely killed. Like really, the hype behind him 
was his athleticism and how big he was. So we'll see how that translates to being an NFL receiver. It could could be very beneficial. We've seen, you know, Rob Gronkowski just go get up, go up and get a ball. You could be very successful. And with a mobile guy like Russell Wilson at quarterback too, that could be very helpful. We'll see. The Seahawks walk away with four wide receivers out of this draft. When I went in with my mock draft, I did not have them taking. I didn't even have them taking more than two, yeah. um, especially with DK falling. They were talking about DK being like a top fifteen pick, mm-hmm. but apparently a ton of teams got real skittish right before the draft because the guy has one point seven percent body fat. The guy doesn't even have enough body fat to fight off the flu. <laughs> like it's like and and. And it's here and there. You know, if the guy eats the right amount of food, if he works out the mm-hmm. right way, it won't matter. Like, he, if right. he knows the body right. But there are ways that, like, it can really impact your muscle growth and your muscle depletion, uh, your bone growth and your bone strength and things like that when you don't have enough body fat. Like, it's not healthy to be at that unless you absolutely know your body. By the looks of him, I think this guy knows him his way around, you know, a weight room and his refrigerator. Uh-huh. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see what pans out. What did you like about Green Bay? Uh, my my favorite thing was the Darnell Savage. We need we need a safety. Uh, I I still think Josh Jones could be the guy, but getting a second option like uh, Darnell Savage to play alongside Adrian Amos, who we signed, I think that to me is the best one. Um, but what did you like out of the Packers? The Packers in off season have continued continued to drive at defense. It's it's what they've always needed. The Packers have always stood up, taken the stance of we have Aaron Rodgers. We can do whatever we need to do on offense as long as the defense can take some business. Mm-hmm. So they sound, they signed the two Smiths. They signed uh, Smash, you know, your safety. Yep. Uh, and then who is it? They, uh, oh, yeah, and then they went on the offensive side too because they signed mm-hmm. uh, offensive tackle. Billy Turner, uh, yep. Yeah, Billy Turner. And, and, and that's great. They're going – they're going for you know a lot of different parts. I think having if it pans out, if they play well, the dynamic duo of Smash and Savage at the safety positions, I think is one of the coolest like you know play on words or whatever. Yep. Um, Rashawn Gary, there was a, some doubt uh, with him if he's going to be there. In his last, he didn't have the stats. He didn't have the numbers in his last two years um, in college. But the thing, if you really look at it and you look at the numbers as for the defensive front as a whole, the thing that you look at is that Rashawn Gary's numbers did drop in his last two seasons. But he, it was because he was such an animal when he when he first started out that this guy's getting double and triple. Mm-hmm. There's guys who got drafted above him and guys who draft stock went way up because they were on the field with him. Guys who had yeah. stats doubled year to year because he was getting doubled and triple teamed. If you, it's, it's exactly what happened with Clay Matthews after like his third or fourth year in the league. He came in, he's doing double digit sacks every year. He's getting like tackles out the wazoo. And then they realize, oh, we need to double team him. Opens up the door for your BJ Rajis, opens up the door for your, you know, your, your other guys on the team. And I think that's what this guy, uh, why he looks that good is because if you see the picture as a whole and not just the numbers, I think this guy is absolutely a first round pick. Um, that's probably my favorite pick from the draft. Uh, interesting pick with a quarterback or with a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's here or not. Um, and they did go with the tight end. They they needed it. I think now 
with Matt LaFleur, I think they might actually be able to utilize their tight ends properly. They always talked about it in Green Bay for years. It's why they brought in Mercedes Lewis. It's why they brought in Jimmy Graham. It's why they had these guys there. But they never used them properly. And I think by drafting, um, what's his name, Sten, Stern, Sternberger. Sternberger. They bring him in and they bring Jimmy Graham back. I, I think that's LaFleur saying, we're going to use tight ends this year. We have to use our tight ends. So we'll, we'll see what comes from that. But, no, I really like Rashawn Gary. Um, you know, first-round picks, again, you never really know. You can end up with a Baker Mayfield or a Johnny Manziel. You don't ever know. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, at the end of the day, deep down in my heart, I still have love for the pack. So I hope to see things pan out for him. I really like that take on Rashawn Gary. I, I've i been iffy on him just because of what I've heard. I've heard he's a very boom-bust kind of guy. But – the, the way you explain that, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Going into the NFL, especially with the line, that the, like that front seven that the Packers have now created, he's not going to be getting double teamed for quite a while with people like Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, and the Smith brothers on the edges. He's going to be able to make an impact if he gets that playing time. So I do like that. I, I'm, I've been willing to give him a shot since we took him. I still personally think there were better options. Brian Burns was still on the table at the time. Uh, Montez Sweat, which, you know, he could end up still being better than him. But there I, there were guys personally that uh, I, I, I think will have better careers than Rashawn Gary. But I'm willing to give him the – I'm willing, willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because now he's in Green Bay. Did you see <laughs> – he picked number 52, right? Did you see his explanation for it? No. He said because he was number three in college, five minus two is three. <laughs> and and something about watching Clay Matthews and blah 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 but I just thought that was the funniest thing. They learned him real good up there in Michigan. Uh, yeah. Five minus two. Good for him. Good job. Good job, Rashawn. Here's a gold fucking star. Eat your weedies, get on the line. Oh Hold my up. goodness. It'll be interesting. All right. Anything else out of the draft you wanted to bring up? Uh no. No. All right. We are going to move on to the NBA playoffs, specifically Bucks, because we're both Bucks fans, and they are playing right now. They just took the lead. Eighty-one seventy-nine. Yep. Four minutes left in the third. I like that. We need to take one on the road. But anyway, let's talk about these first two games. What were your biggest takeaways, specifically? Uh, you know, game one, and then the transition to game two. So coming out of game one. You never want to see your team lose like that. That was the biggest loss they've had all year long. Um, but the, the not only did Giannis not play up to par, what did he have, eight? Like, he was like eight for seven, whatever it he was. was. seven for 20-something. Yeah, Giannis was not on. No. He only had eight points in the first half. The Bucks shot well under their season average for threes. There was a lot of things not lining up for the Bucks, mm-hmm. and and it didn't look. It wasn't like they were too cocky. They came out there, but something was off for them. Um, and and the way Boston played was way above their level too. So if you you know you look at the box score, you could be like, oh my god, Giannis. Oh my gosh, look at these points. But there had to be. There has to be an adjust to the mean. They're going to come back down. The Bucks are going to come back up. Um, and, again, you see that in game two. I think this was another fluke game. Kyrie only scored eight points. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen again. It just won't. You can say, you know, Bledsoe finally found the D in his first name and he's not Bledsoe anymore. <laughs> That's not necessarily the case because Kyrie, 
he is an elite player. I don't think he's an elite leader, but I think he's absolutely a guy who could come out tonight, you know, tonight, the next night, whatever night, and just shred this team. Um, so you got to be real careful as far as you get ahead because there's a lot of guys who just want to throw their hands up and be like, oh, my God, 60-win season, now it's nothing because we can't get past Boston. I mean, I, you know, you look at Kyrie. He's got 27 minutes. He's got two rebounds, four assists, and 19 points. He leads the team. It's nothing earth-shattering, but, you know, you look on the other side of the ball, Giannis is at 22, Middleton's only at 10. Those are some of the guys, um, one of the main things you always need to watch for, and it will break the Bucks or make the Bucks is how well Giannis and Middleton can play. Mm-hmm. Yes, Giannis is the star. Yes, Giannis is the guy. Yes, Giannis is the Greek freak. If Middleton does not put up a decent average and he does not come through in these games, we can't win. And Bledsoe has a couple, like, sparks here and there, but I really think that your number one and two, the guys who you've got to get firing every single night, are Middleton and Giannis. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think the biggest thing with the the Celtics' defensive plan in game one was just incredible. I, Brad Stevens, to me, is one of the greatest minds in basketball right now. I, I truly believe he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. And his defensive plan going into game one was great, building that wall around the paint. I just thought it was phenomenal. What I thought was even better was the adjustment, even though we didn't see it in game by the Bucks necessarily in the first game, which is a problem that we've seen with, uh, I'm spacing on the coach's name now, Budenholzer. Um, we saw that with the Hawks uh, years ago when he was coaching that. The in-game adjustments aren't there, but the adjustment from game one to game two was really big for me, make, seeing them find a way around that wall and like switching to a more pick and roll offense switching to Giannis not attacking as much picking his moments better I I just thought it was an incredible coaching job and uh unfortunately I'm not watching right now even they've been doing bad when I watch I've been kind of keeping away but um they it's just been it's been fun to watch these last couple games to see um, them adjust and just grow as a team. It's it's really nice to. They're not one dimensional. Uh, uh, that's the best thing. Did you see that interview though with Brad Stevens? Though it was like uh, it was in between the two games, the two first games, and he goes, "You know that's great. I'm glad we were able to to to, to set him up to that. And he had such a poor shooting game, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we throw at him. That was the best defensive scheme we could possibly come up with. And guess what? Next game, it won't matter. He will adjust. He will change. And he will beat us. He goes, there is no game plan for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And when you hear like a coach like Brad Stevens say that, I get goosebumps. I'm like, that's our guy. That's we, our guy. We, we drafted him. <laughs> we put him out of bump buck Egypt. And we're like, come play basketball. Stop selling glasses and sneakers on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, it, it's incredible. I feel like... We've now lucked out with that twice in Wisconsin sports uh, with Aaron Rodgers and now Giannis, and we've stumbled upon Christian Yelich as well. It's kind of incredible. Uh, so how do you see the Bucks series going forward? I would love if you were asking me this after this game was over. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I really think I really think we got to pop Boston in the mouth and take this game. It's we got to take that first game in Boston the same way that they did in Milwaukee because I, I that was the one thing that did concern me that momentum was there they're running around you know let it fly we're Milwaukee we just swept the Pistons like in admirable fashion like we're gonna go out here and they just roadblocked them and 
I'm glad to see it didn't take them off the rails. I'm glad to see they kept going. But I think Boston is a team because they are weak in that leadership thing. The, Kyrie left Cleveland to show that he could be a leader of his own team, and he's not. Mm-hmm. He's an elite point guard. He's a scorer. The guy can shoot. But he's not. He's not. I don't think he's the leader that that team needs because that team is young and it has a lot of talent. And that's what I think is going to be their downfall. If the Bucks can hit him hard in this game, you know, you're 89-82 right now. They have a good fourth quarter run and beat him by 16 points in the Garden. It doesn't matter. Like at that point, they're they're gonna they're gonna stagger a lot harder than the Bucks did into the second game. But with that being said, I mean, if we can come back three one, like back to you know oh. back three one, I got no doubts in the world. We locked down that last game. We go home. But I do not. We cannot go into elimination game six in Boston. We we can't put ourselves in that situation because I don't think that our team can pull that out. Mm-hmm. So let's get it done tonight. Let's at least go back to Milwaukee 2-2, and then, you know, and let's figure it out from there. But if we can win tonight, I, I'm, I'm firm, firmly confident that we can take this series. And hopefully I'll be in Milwaukee for game five. That would be nice. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it, it solely depends on this game. If they get this momentum, that Celtics team is very fragile, and they – it could very easily fall apart if someone misses a late shot and someone else is wide. You know, there's not. I should have took that shot. I just should have took that shot. There's a lot of different things that could happen within that locker room. So I would very much like to see them hold on to this lead. Um, hopefully, if we're still recording at the end of the game, we can maybe talk about it. Uh, so, who uh, out of the two other teams remaining in the East, uh, who do you think is the biggest threat to Milwaukee? Uh, Toronto, um, I, it's, even when before this series started, I will say that the, the, the Sixers having a 2-1 lead is a little surprising to me, because I just don't think that they can win. I don't think that that team can beat Toronto in a seven-game series. I'm still confident that this is, this means nothing, a 2-1 lead. I'm sure, I'm, I'm still sure Toronto's going to come back, um, that's the bigger threat. I mean, you look at as a whole, we've played almost every team in the league in the East, like for the playoffs, we won every series two one. And a lot of the games against the Raptors, I just, I wasn't ever super confident with when you mm-hmm. watch their gameplay. Um, when you watch the 76ers, yeah. MB can get up on Giannis, but at the same time, he doesn't have the footwork to, to defend him. It's, there's not really a person on that team that can lock down Giannis the way that Kawhi and that that Raptors defense can. Um, at this point, I, in my opinion, and I don't want to get overly confident, in my opinion, this Bucks Celtics series is the East. Like, this is mm. the East Conference Finals. I'm not going to say we're going to go cakewalk against those other two teams, no. but there was a team that I think we were going to have the worst, the hardest time with and the most trouble with. It was absolutely Boston. I completely agree. And personally, I don't know if Boston would be able to beat Toronto. I I I think it's either us or Toronto at this point if the Bucks can hold on in this series. Um I think Boston was our biggest threat. But I do worry about Toronto because of because of Kawhi Leonard, because of Pau Gasol or uh, Mark Gasol who's there now. They they're an interesting dynamic. So it, it'll be interesting. I do think Philadelphia's got some momentum from out of nowhere, and I think this 2-1, I don't know, I think they, they might be able to pull out that series, which I would enjoy a lot. I would much rather face Philadelphia than 
Toronto. Uh, how about over in the West? Obviously, the favorite, Golden State. Do you think? Do you think the Rockets can take them? I think Golden State can sweep them. Yeah. I I mean, they there's been nothing that the Rockets have shown me all year long or in the playoffs that can that can show me otherwise. Like that says that they are a team that can take down the Warriors. It's unfortunate that we've that LeBron has created a culture in where you have to build a team like this, but it's an it's the nature of the beast. It is the way that it is. There's no point in whining about it. The Rockets this year, I think, and this is going to sound weird, are playing better, but I think their talent-wise mm-hmm. last year was better. I, I think I they had. Agree. If they had that team from last year, with this year's like with their mojo, their swagger that they got, I think they would have had a much better chance. I'm not saying they would have, but I'm looking at. They're looking down. They get to go home at this point because they're going back to Houston now, right? I believe so. Yeah, because two and Golden State, then they go back to Houston. Um, Yeah, they're in Houston tomorrow for game three. Yeah. You know, they want to say, oh, we're going back to Houston. We can get these two games back. You're not getting two. You may get – if you get lucky, you split and you go back to Golden State for a game to – you know, it's over. It's a game five in Oakland. That's the end of it. So, I mean, we can keep driving the hammer. I don't even need to talk about Golden State. Everybody knows if they're not a fan of them and wearing their jersey since 2014, then they're just aware of them because they're a sports fan. I I yeah, I I completely agree that the Rockets they they were just a better team last year. As soon as they lost, it was Bob Mute and someone else. Now Trevor Ariza. As soon as they lost those two in free agency. Their two best defensive players, minus maybe Chris Paul. It's over because now you're just relying on your offense, and you're not going to outshoot Golden State. I, it, it coming coming into this season, I said there's no way Houston's going to be able. If they couldn't beat them last year, there's no way that they're going to do it this year. And uh, honestly, I think they had them beat last year. They were Chris Paul injury away from beating them and dethroning them. That was their best shot. I I I truly think they'll get swept this year. Like you said, maybe one at home. But I'd be even be surprised to that. Um, do you think if Denver can hold off Portland, do you think Denver has enough? Has just in general has enough to even go toe to toe with Golden State? No. <laughs> um, the one thing I'll say about this is it's a really interesting series. Um, I actually personally think that Portland's going to take it. Mm. They, they've shown that they have they can go toe to toe with some some decent some decent teams. It's been a while since Portland's been in the news, you know. So it's it's you know it's nice to see them climbing, but even less than the East, this round does not matter. <laughs> or rather, the next round does not matter. This round is where it, where it ends because Houston is the team to break down the Golden State Warriors. They're not going to do it. They're going to go on. I mean, it would be awful to see a 4-0 sweep in a conference finals, but it, it might happen because I don't think Denver or Portland have enough to go toe-to-toe with Golden State if Houston can't even do it. Yeah, I think the best shot that Denver has is if Jokic can somehow play lockdown defense enough and get the ball moving around, which he's been doing. I think he's proven. I think Denver 
honestly has enough talent to take a game against Golden State. I just don't think, unless they go on some magical hot run, I just don't think they could do it. Honestly, I think it's Golden State's, it's Golden State's West to win. And, and if that's how it's been, we'll see if that continues. But I, I think, I think it will. All right. Enough sports. Let's talk about what. Let's talk about the big news of the week. Let's talk about what really matters. So, just just for anyone who lives under a rock and has not seen Avengers Endgame, spoiler warning. We're going. We're going to, huh? Spoiler alert. Do you have like the ability at the radio station to like? I definitely can add in the sound effect in there. I probably will. That'd be fun. We'll put it in the title and we'll yes. say it in the in the intro and because if not because technically speaking on good morning america two days ago the russo brothers said that the spoiler guard is up until monday this past monday or this monday this upcoming monday okay well that's fine we'll we'll put up a huge i'll put up a big spoiler warning yeah Yeah. so so this is this is your last chance (laughs) if you're listening and you have not seen endgame turn turn it it off (laughs) Turn it off. Come back after you've seen the episode, or seen the movie. Pick up right where you left off. Pick we'll up be- right here. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> but we are going to talk Endgame, and we are going to talk it in full. There are going to be spoilers. Okay. That was your last chance. Holy crap, what a movie. <laughs> Tony Stark dies. <laughs> exactly. Now if you click off, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wh- I mean, where do we even start? Um... It was so. I will say this: just like Infinity War, this movie started out in full throttle. Full throttle. It was perfect. Like, it, it was perfect. Oh, this movie was phenomenal. This is one of the greatest cinematic feats ever in the history of film. I love this movie. It is hands down my favorite movie I've ever watched in my yeah. entire life. And some people will be like, "Oh, you nerds, that's not satire and whatever." It's fuck, eat a dick. <laughs> It's a story that has been 11 years and 22 movies in the making. And it fit, everything fit in perfectly. Like, uh, and it just starts off just in a way that you're not thinking of, but it's just a perfect way to kick into the movie. When this got going, I couldn't drive. (laughs) I couldn't, when film franchise started, I couldn't drive. That's ridiculous. Like, Kyle, you were... Were you even in high school yet? <laughs> I was 11. What was it? 2008? No. No, no, no. I just graduated eighth grade. <laughs> I don't... We babies. This was like fed spoon fed to us as babies. I was going into sixth grade, I think, that year. I think I was... Grader. Yeah. You were a baby. It's... I literally... I, w- I was walking into the theater saying, this is the biggest moment <laughs> of any Marvel fan's life there's not there's never going to be a movie bigger than this they can try i don't think it'll ever happen i think there will be movies similar to this i think they're going to do more phases like this and stuff but i don't think there will ever be anything like this the same reason jordan is always going to be the goat because there can never be even if you think it might be you can think it might be but it never will be you always know like everyone will always know even if someone says in the back of your mind you're like no (laughs) (laughs) so Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah you get I, shot out of a cannon. I was, I mean, they kept the trailers very clean to the point where it was like, you had no idea. I mean, dude, Thanos dies in the first 15 minutes of the movie. The first, yeah. They, I mean, I, I heard going in 
that our, he, he wasn't going to be the main guy. And I was like, and then they cut off his. I was like, oh, that was very unceremonious. <laughs> like it, the, all and all of the trailer shots seemed to come within the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, and then after that, it's like, like I've I've seen nothing. <laughs> yeah. Sort of a couple like glory shots, mm-hmm. like throughout the movie. The real trailer parts were real early on. Um, I think that battle sequence was phenomenal. I will say probably from like the last 45 minutes to the end of the movie, I was either choked up or crying because I was sad or excited or happy or just demolished. Like there was no, there was no happy medium for me. I was like erratic. Straight up, straight up. The last 45 minutes of the movie, I was bawling out of either happiness or or sadness. And I'm a big Black Widow fan, Scarlett Johansson. So yes, that part made me tear up too. But then I recovered. But then I it just fell right back off again. Becca cried. So my fiance, for those who right. don't know, Becca cried in the first like three minutes because when Hawkeye lost his family, she goes, "What?" As soon <laughs> as soon as he turned his back, I was like, "Oh no, I know what's happening," and I just no. and then that just like no. And that part, too, I think the Black Widow part, it didn't kill me that Black Widow died. It killed me that Jeremy Renner's character, Hawkeye, he had lost everything. All he had left, like, for sure had left, was Nat. And he's, like, screaming. He's like, no, no. Because he lost, like, the last piece of him. Like, he, he that was it for him. Yeah. It, but, but it's just perfect story arc that he saved her from the life of russian things and she had all this red on her thing on her book and she was trying to make good it's just so good so good i knew as soon as they they were going to boromir i knew that was happening we got two more minutes of sad stuff and we got to talk about the good stuff all right all right i just think the whole last sequence so spider-man and tony back together was phenomenal the reverse of infinity war yep tony locking it down and then pepper you know essentially saying goodbye to his fucking video recording for his kid and everybody that led into the funeral with everybody there, even the kid from Iron Man 3? Yeah! I at, I had no idea who that was at first. I had to watch something. Fuck, no. It was panning back and forth. And when the group of people ahead of him think it was were the like Guardians. in frame, and then everybody, about, and he was dark, I was like, I, I leaned over, I was like, that's a kid. I was, I was like, that's the kid. And Becca's like, stop. Let me watch. I was that's the kid. That's the kid from the move. And then, and then Pepper puts the uh, the heart from the first movie, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. I just, oh my God. and the last final stab to the heart, cheeseburgers. Oh, I know. Oh, it killed me. <laughs> I thought we were done. I was like, "Who? My, my eyes are finally dry." That my dad like cheese- like cheeseburgers. Happy, that's your name, is Happy. You're making me sad, Happy. Oh, it just, it killed me. It just absolutely killed me. But it, it, again, perfect story arc because I think it was in Avengers. Maybe it was Ultron. I don't remember, but Cap literally says to, to, to Tony, you are never one to put your life on the line. You'll, you'll never be the one to make that ultimate sacrifice. Avengers was the first one. Yeah, just perfect. Absolutely was, perfect. Because what he says is, is he goes, 
if you guys are if you're clawing through the trench, are you going to be the guy to lay down on the barbed wire for everyone to crawl across to you? He goes, no, I just cut the wire. Whatever. Irrelevant. I know way too much. It's awful. I love so it. things that I loved right out of the gate, Professor Hulk. Oh, my God. I kind of love that, too. His that that comic book run is great as well. OK. And he embodied it very well in, in the movie. It was awesome. It's just uh, it's awesome to see somebody to be able to control a weapon like that yeah. because in the new runs right now, Bruce Banner isn't the Hulk. There's a run of comics called The Champions, and it's basically these younger Avengers, and they were like, why do we go in and try to help these people but really cause more trouble just to beat up the bad guy? They disband from the Avengers, and one of the guys is named Amadeus Cho, and whether he's Amadeus or he's the Hulk, he has full consciousness the whole time, which oh. is what made me excited to see Professor Hulk like on the live screen because between Amadeus and the comics with Professor Hulk, it's such a cool dynamic. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I like that. My only thing, and, he, and it's not even a bad thing, My the, the expectations going into the movie was like, oh, we're going to see why he was struggling and what's going to bring him out of the struggle. And then it's just kind of pop on screen, Professor Hulk, <laughs> which I, I didn't mind. I, I actually very much enjoyed it. It was a big swerve, and they kind of explained it you know how he, he he figured it out i was all fine i was fine with that i personally i thought it was going to be something like nat dying to bring out hulk again but right. i i really like this new twist of professor hulk i i think it's interesting well and that's what the the five year jump gave them a big like they could really do whatever they wanted yeah because the like five years is a lot of time like it can really change a lot of stuff granted we still i mean you can make the most ripped guy in the universe fat. <laughs> yeah, and you can also make a child. What is it about Marvel? Is there every casting call they have for a child under 12, just adorable brown-eyed child apply here? And 100%. Every time. Cassie, Scott Lang's mm -hmm. kid, adorable. adorable. Even the grown-up version of her is a very cute young lady. Yeah. And now Morgan, too? Stark's kid? What? I swear I don't they need just extra feelings. <laughs> they just I, I have enough feelings. I don't need more. Don't add. They just walk into Disneyland and just be like, "You <laughs> want to be in a movie? <laughs> Come with me." <laughs> oh my gosh! And that okay. So one more sad thing, which is kind of a happy thing. The very end, uh, Cap has to go back and bring all the Infinity Stones back to their places to fix the timelines. Which I kind of want to talk about the timelines here in a sec. But he goes back. Hulk's like, he'll be back in a couple seconds, flips a switch, he's not back. They look over, he's on the bench. He's an old crotchety man. He's, what, 99 years old, I think, at this point. Uh, and, yeah, and Sam and Bucky walk over there, tells him that he lived a full life with Peggy. <laughs> oh, it killed me. I, I literally, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but a year ago, when this movie was announced, I said... That the last shot of this movie, whether it be an end credit scene or just the movie in general, needed to be Cap dancing with Peggy. Wow. And I got, I got, I literally, that was when I just lost control of my body. Like, I had already been crying terribly throughout the rest of the movie. But that is, I just, I grabbed my buddy Zach next to me and almost broke his hand because I saw that they were panning into the house and I just lost it. It was honestly perfect now there are questions with the timeline 
but it was just a per. I I think it was perfect, and they didn't technically kill him off. So there's, they were talking about Chris Evans possibly having a different role in the universe. Now Steve Rogers can maybe take up the the head of Shield or the head of the Avengers and training people, whatever. He's like a billion years old. He ain't doing shit. He's only ninety nine. <laughs> no, they. Uh, I'll tell you though, like, I don't know if the part with Cap and Peggy made our buddy Brian cry, but I know for sure he cried out of rage when the shield got given to Falcon and not Bucky. He wanted I I, I wanted Bucky as well. He was furious. Really? Yeah. See now I wanted Bucky too. Cause I think Falcon on his own has his own stuff. Bucky doesn't really he's just a soldier like Captain America. I think it fits better. I don't mind Falcon though. Adds diversity to the Avengers. They both, um, those two, like, even in the comics, yep. they flip-flop a lot. Like, they bounce yep. back and forth with who gets it. Which um, I think they acknowledged with the, like, the little, like, nod uh, yeah, from Bucky. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't mind it. I wanted Bucky, like, much like Brian. I, I can see him being pretty upset about that, yeah. though. A lot of, uh, a lot of screen time for Nebula and Ant-Man. Yeah. A ton of it. A ton of it yeah i mean i'm i'm okay with it really was able to develop these characters even more because ant-man really was never part of the avengers like even except civil war barely barely there he was there for the there for the fight and then Mm -hmm. he was jailed and that was Mm -hmm. it so like the whole storyline leading up man we could talk about this for like hours (laughs) hours there's just I thought it was so cool that they were dropping into those different scenes in their past, though. Like, when they dropped in, and it was that scene where all the Avengers were, like, like it was that... The iconic shot, yep. Yeah, and they're just sitting there, like... Yeah. They even added in deleted scenes, Loki turning into Cap. I thought that was amazing, and it perfectly sets up late. Oh, so good. America's ass. (laughs) One of the funniest lines also stares. <laughs> Just that whole section was fantastic. Uh, I loved what? Go ahead. I, I was gonna say I loved the Peter Quill part. Seeing him dance with no music, singing into the rat, <laughs> super funny. He's I, a dumb Indiana Jones, isn't he? That's a perfect explanation for him. It's just so good. I loved it. They, uh, the one thing though, I will say, and this was like Disney just trying to like. F- fix its paradox i don't know if we ever talked about marvel paradoxes before but um i can give you a couple but one of them was that in the new disney plus streaming service they have a loki show that's going to be happening and it was kind of weird because no one knew if it was going to be a prologue or if it was going to be you know because he's gone and they fixed that in this movie because he grabs the tesseract and disappears and now it's obvious that that's what's going to happen his his story will continue from there but um so this is going to be branching away from this movie, but the Marvel paradoxes that exist, I'll just give you two of them real quick. Sure. So the first one that I thought was interesting, the, the other one I had to read about. This one I was like, I asked myself, and then I read about it. So in Captain Marvel, when Stan Lee has his cameo, yep. so Stan Lee is reading the Mallrats script, which for those of you who don't know, is Kevin Smith's movie Mallrats that Stan Lee ah. cameoed in. Right. So... The, but the, the, the problem with this is that Stan Lee only cameoed in Mallrats because he is Stan Lee, the creator of the Marvel Universe. In the MCU, 
Stan Lee isn't famous. He's just a guy. He didn't create Captain America so or anybody, so he would have never been asked to cameo in Mallrats. Right. There's your paradox. So, There's no reason for him to have that script. Huh. He would, have, he would have only been asked to be in the movie or in Mallrats because he was the head of Marvel. Marvel Comics doesn't exist because there's not comic book heroes. They're actual heroes in real life. That's fair. Like I, I feel like, are there not comic books? I feel like I've seen comic books. Like, obviously, even if there were, he wouldn't be the creator of them. So right. he wouldn't be the, but I feel like I did see comics at one point. But that that's interesting. So the other one's a lot quicker and a lot easier and a lot more foolproof. And it's that, so in uh, Homecoming, Ned and Peter are working on building the Millennium Falcon, which in turn is that they're huge Star Wars fans. So the understanding is that if they love Star Wars that much, Star Wars exists inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Correct. How the fuck would he not recognize Mace Windu? <laughs> Get out of your fucking mind. Because he's got an eye patch. Oh, really? Yeah. Clark Kent? Yeah, Clark Kent. Okay, yeah, glasses. Get the fuck off. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's interesting, too. I, I, and honestly, while we're going down that route, there is um, – what other movie? They make a couple references to movies in the. Uh, what are the other movies that they? Uh, there was one. Now I'm blanking on it because there are a couple other movies that other people have starred in from the Marvel universe. Oh yeah, but I mean they. I don't know if they reference those as much, but like Tony Stark himself references a ton of movies. Oh. He yeah. called Thor Point Break. Mm-hmm. He calls. Um, God, who is that that he calls? He calls somebody Reindeer Games, which is a reference to Ben Affleck. Probably Loki. Yeah, Loki. Yeah, Reindeer Games. Um, he calls in this movie. He calls Thor Lebowski. Yep. yep. Like he does it all the well, time. That that was one of them. Lebowski played by Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, who was in Iron Man. Yeah, Obadiah Stane. Yeah, there was that one. I think that was one, and then there was another one because they brought up Back to the Future. And they yeah, brought up a, another Terminator, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. Wrinkle in Time, Quantum Leap, mm-hmm. uh, they Hot Tub Time Machine. They listed all those movies. Hot Tub Time Machine, starring Jeremy Renner, I believe, is in that movie. I'll double check that. In that movie, I'm, I won't call you on that one. I'm pretty sure he. I, I okay, starring might be the wrong word, but I'm pretty sure he's in that movie. First one or the second one? Good question. Either of them. I mean, they'd be the same universe. All right, well, I'm, all right, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll double-check, but I'm pretty... Oh, no, just kidding. I was wrong. Sebastian Stan. Oh, that, yep, okay, yep. there. I was wrong. I thought it was Jeremy. Jeremy's in another movie, but anyway. He's in, uh, what is it, Wolf River or Wind River with uh, Elizabeth Olsen, who plays uh, Scarlet Witch. There you go. Yeah, so, I mean, that kind of stuff is interesting. I think, yeah, there are those paradoxes, I guess. I think they're just more fun little... They're more fun. Yeah, You're not going to yeah. poke holes. Marvel would not let anything like this happen on accident. There, right. There's no way that Disney would allow these things or Marvel would allow these things to really affect it. It's just fun to think about. It's just fun. I still wish either Tony or uh, Strange would have said no shit Sherlock to one or the other. I. Th- uh, that would have been... Would have been too perfect. All right. How did you feel about the way they time, they handled time travel? I don't think they could have done it any other way. I think it was perfect. 
there, yeah, no, absolutely not. There's way too many scientists and extreme minds that exist in the Marvel universe mm -hmm. to have not figured it out to this point. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for an obscure character picking holes in things that he doesn't really know anything about, mm -hmm. which is why then that led to somebody else being able to work on it. Yeah. So that's the only way they could have done it. I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's the fact that they needed the pin particles to do it. Yep. I, I, I mean, the, I don't biggest... like the way that they explain time travel too. Yeah. I, I loved it. The it, way that they it's... like, we're like, it's not your past affecting your future. Your old past becomes, it's basically time is a straight line. Mm -hmm. It might split off. You might jump ahead or jump back, but nothing ever. It's more like levels. It's like a ladder rather than, you know, you go back and move forward. You don't just jump back in time and fuck shit up. If you which I, if, yeah. If you change something in the past, it creates a separate timeline where that is happening. Right. Which yeah. explains the multiverse, mm -hmm. which could very potentially explain where the mark or where the mutants come from in the future. Oh, episode. 100%. I think that's their way of bringing in the mutants and the X-Men and all that. Absolutely. Now that they have all that. Yeah, the only one that I still struggle with and I'm not mad at it cuz it was such a great moment was the cap thing. Like it's how does that necessarily work because what cap thing? Cap going back in time and then living his full life. Like I understand that th at th there were two separate caps i guess during that timeline now but it kind of it feels like those two timelines are the same do you know what i mean so now like petty peggy's uh her whole timeline is kind of messed up and it feels like it's the same timeline so captain america went back yeah and adjusted peggy's timeline but not his because he went down on the ice was down for 75 years, came out, lived this Avengers life, and then went back. He went back to Peggy when he went in the ice. Correct. So for those 75 years, he was in the ice. He grew old. Correct. But he never runs into his past self because they're separate timelines. They just run into each other. It's the same reason that when they went back in time, the two Hulks saw each other. Correct. I'm just thinking it's... It's just weird because you think they explained it. If you change one, if you change something, it'll change. It, it just becomes a different timeline. This one gets changed, but it's the same timeline. You know what I mean? But it comes back. So you're basically saying that two Captain Americas should exist. Yeah, which ends up becoming a quantum loop, basically. Yeah, it is a loop because yeah. tech. Kind of. More of like a loop de do. <laughs> Yeah, but you've got to think of it this way, too, because we're getting real deep down the rabbit yeah. hole. They would have never... Their paths essentially would have never crossed. So even if he was existing in the same timeline... But I think, it again, it's like that ladder motion. It's yeah. like, happened, and now it stopped happening, and now something else started for them. Yeah, that's... Which is what splits the timeline, but because of... I think that's where you bring it back to a hole. You bring it back to a hole because he jumped at that time. It reset for him, but time continued on. So once you get back to that point where he jumped, it's just him. Okay. That actually makes... Yeah. It changes his future almost, even though his future is in the past. But it doesn't change anyone else's past. Exactly. And that's exactly how Nebula and Professor Hulk explain it to... 
uh, Ant-Man and uh, War Machine. I like that. It's time travel, man. It None of it makes sense. No, I, I, I mean, it's just, it's fun to talk about. <laughs> I But they did it perfectly. I, I really do think they did. Um, yeah. I love that they brought back old Thanos, and he basically just became a, just, he just wanted everyone dead. He said, well, I'll just be God. <laughs> and I was so confused. The whole, the whole movie from when they killed him, to when he came back, or like when he found the nebula thing, mm-hmm. I was so confused because I was like, "So what? They just get the stones and win? Like mm-hmm. that? Is, this will be a very climactic end to this series. I think there's no way." And then when Nebula started tweaking out, I'm like, "Oh wait a minute, yeah." And then of course there he comes, and it's like it's like World Breaker Thanos with his Thanos sword. I mean, we didn't get to see the Thanos copter, but I mean, I can live without it. So. That sounds great. If it looks anything like the Peter Copter. <laughs> it'll see it'll be weird to see what the future holds. I mean, cuz you look at some new beginnings, the, there is no Iron Man and and Captain America has moved the mantle to the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, Valkyrie is staying with the Asgardians, which leads Thor to what? Is it going to be the Asgardians of the Galaxy because yes. he'll absolutely there's no way he can't be a part of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah, he he, he has to. And now there's talk of a fourth, a Thor four, um, because apparently he resigned before back in 2017, Chris Hemsworth. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, they have time to rewrite scripts and change things because if Infinity War really wasn't the plan for Guardians three, or not Infinity War but Endgame wasn't the original plan, they still have time because until James Gunn's Suicide Squad comes out, he can't start filming with Marvel. Yeah. So they, they he's say, got time to re-script and rebuild and rewrite and change things the way he wants them to be. Yeah, they're not even starting filming that until next year, I believe, mm-hmm. is what I saw. So I'm super excited for that. So excited. Oh, I'm man. The redemption of, of, of James Gunn. Like, somebody dug up his past and was like, look at all these tweets, and finally somebody made it out the other side because that's the biggest bullshit on the planet to it hit is. somebody tweets from 20 years ago. I agree. It's yeah, stupid, especially for a man to lose his job. Like, whatever. Um, is there anything else? That's all I got. I think that's all. I mean, there's so much that's got. I'm going to watch the movie again. Endgame. I mean, Endgame is three hours of pure joy. It only mm. felt like an hour and a half. Honestly. Talk about it for six or seven hours, like nonstop. Because, like, as soon as I talk about one thing, I think about another thing, and then another thing comes to my brain. Like, yep. there's been 20 things since we've been talking that I just didn't talk about because we'd be going on for six hours. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it. How are the Bucks doing? I forget. I haven't even been watching now. Jesus. <laughs> I've been so enthralled in this. Oh, that's not today. I got really scared because I clicked back. Oh, hell yeah. They're up 114.97. Nice. Only five minutes left. Well, how about we go watch the end of it? Absolutely. I agree. That's all the time we have for today. Chad, as always, thank you very much. Sorry, you just froze there for a second. Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. being on every time. It's always a lot of fun. I always love having you on. It's always, one time we're going to get you on with Connor. <laughs> Whatever, it, you it, let me know. It was the plan until about two hours ago, but 
we will get you on maybe in the next couple of weeks here before we both leave Whitewater. But anyway, thank you for that. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find all of our Twitters in the links uh, down below. You subscribe to us, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, all that fun stuff. Chad, do you want to plug anything? I have nothing to plug. I'm an old man. Fair enough. Well, thank you all for listening, and we will see you the next time. We shocked the system since day one. Full of wishes still can't help with the disposition of just a young college kid with all the privilege. Trust beyond belief, so catch us going through the villages. Keep an image of Priscilla with the J Dilla Dilla. Need another dollar, dollar in Manila. So vanilla with a swirl, let the blade run. Tongue drip slice down the middle of our nation. Heebie-jeebies, we already had this conversation. Kept me busy since day one. Accusations. Pockets gained a little weight like my ex bitch. Still the only bricks that I've been stacking been in Tetris. Never measure up because we've been on a different metric. And I don't give a fuck about who the next I fill the is. hole in my soul with palace and pre logos. Acid wash jeans, the Vans and the Ralph Polo. Burnt like my tongue after sipping some hot cocoa. I just wanna jump from the top and fly solo. Fill the hole in my soul with palace and pre logos. Acid wash jeans, the Vans and the Ralph Polo. Burnt like my tongue after sipping some hot cocoa. I just wanna jump from the top and fly solo.